Reading from the Epistle to the Romans, from the 13th chapter, beginning with the 8th verse. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew, the 18th chapter, beginning with the 15th verse. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So I read a story that went like this. Once upon a time in their marriage, my dad, now not my dad, y'all heard that because my dad might be watching. Once upon a time in my marriage, my dad did something really stupid. Any of y'all ever done anything stupid in your relationships? 
My mom chewed him out for it. Now, I've actually seen that happen at my house when I was a kid. He apologized, they made up. Did you hear that? He apologized, they made up. We call that reconciliation in the church, right? It's in your Bible. Your Bible's full of the idea that the end goal of all of this is that I will be reconciled to you and you will be reconciled to me and we will be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. But it all happens because of Christ. Y'all with me? Might not work in the story. Let's see how it goes. So dad says something stupid. Mama chewed him out for it. He apologized and they made up. But get this. Can you believe that this happens? From time to time, my mama mentioned what he had done. (laughs) Surely that's not true. Does that ever happen to y'all? Do you have people in your life that just cannot remind you? They can't waste an opportunity to remind you of that time that you said something to them that you've apologized for 20 times. So we're dealing in some truth here, aren't we? Maybe it's not a joke after all. So finally one day my dad said, Honey, why do you keep bringing that up? I thought your policy was forgive and forget. It is, she said. I just don't want you to forget what's been forgiven and forgotten. (laughs) Listen, when we hear Jesus talk about being reconciled to someone, most of the time what we hear from him is that we are to forgive others. Am I right? Did he not teach us to pray, forgive as we are forgiven? But the end goal of what Jesus is commanding here, I want you to hear that word. This is a command of the Lord. Now, when we stood here in front of a preacher in the church, we all proclaimed that we accept Christ as our Savior and promise to serve Him as our Lord. Not our friend, not our buddy, not someone who makes suggestions, but someone whose reign we are submitting to. Do you hear that, church? Now what that means is when Jesus says stuff I don't like, like if someone offends me, I got to go to them to be reconciled to them and that I'm the one that's going to make the first move. I don't like it. I have admitted it. This is true about me, but it's in my book. My Lord told me to do it. So sometimes I have to make myself go to someone who has offended me and say, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you're a jerk. Not like that. I had to go and say, look, when you said this, it hurt me, it affected me, and it has toiled our relationship, and I don't like that. I want to be in love with you. Do you hear what's at stake? Someone, when they offend you, has thrown themselves into the water. They are sinking deep in sin. They are drowning. Did we not just sing that when we were in the same shape, when we had offended Almighty God with our every thought and word and deed, that the Lord God reached down and lifted us up in love? 
Does He not give us a stellar example to follow? Did He not come to us, take on our sorry lot, take on our flesh, walk amongst us, listen to us, ridicule Him, watch us drive nails into His hands, lay down on a cross for us? Did He not do this? Did He not show us what a cross looks like? Did He not show us what it looks like to hear Him say, go to the one who has offended you and love them? What? That's what the Lord God did. He came to all of us who had offended Him and loved us by dying for us so that we, sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, could be lifted up to sink no more. That's the gospel, isn't it? What do you think, Don? Am I close? Pretty close? Amen. Don was on the board of Ordain Ministry. He knows. I read an article by a worldly wise person who said that if someone asks you to forget something, you tell them you're not Jesus and you don't have Alzheimer's. Holy crap. That's how the world thinks we should live. You see it every day in Washington, don't you? Have you ever seen a senator walk from one side of the aisle to the other side of the aisle and said, you know, when you said that, it offended me and I really want to be your brother. That's leadership. Leadership happens when people lay down themselves for others. How do I know? Because the Lord of the universe laid himself down for us. It seems non-negotiable to me. But yet people will say, but pastor, I don't really have to do that. Yes, you do. If you are committed to following Jesus as Lord, here are your marching orders. If another member of the church, now here's the tricky thing. It's thought that a scribe might have added a number member of the church later. That the original reading of this text may have just been Jesus saying, if someone sins against you, period. But that a scribe might have added brother or sister as a way of talking about the church later on to soften this. And so we would say, yes, Jesus, I will go to someone else who is a Christian and I will tell them they hurt me, but I won't go to anyone else because they should go to hell anyway. I think the harder reading is right. I think Jesus was saying to all of his fathers, his followers, if someone hurts you, if someone offends you, if they sin against you, you go to them. Out. But there's good evidence for saying that it's people in the church because later on Jesus says, take the church with you, right? But the thing that we want to be cautious of is dismissing the idea that what Jesus tells us to do for one another, we should not do for people in the world. How does that play out, you might ask? Well, someone hurts you, you go to them and say, you know, when you did that, it, it, it hurt me. You sinned against me. You stole something. You, you tore something away from me, and it, it caused me pain. Whatever that sin looks like. And Jesus says, if that person is willing to hear you and ask you to forgive them, you've regained your brother. And the reconciliation that Christ died to achieve has taken place. And He says, but if they won't listen, if they won't listen, Bring two or three more witnesses because the book of the law, Deuteronomy, says that 
we will only accept the witness of two or three people. And so if two or three people come and say, Johnny did this to Sarah, Johnny's got to own up to it, Jesus says. It's time. It's time to own up to it. But he says if they won't do that, if they won't listen, though you bring two or three more witnesses, tell it to the whole church. And everybody says, oh, we can't be doing that. My business is my business. I don't want anybody rolling up in front of the church and saying that Samantha told me my feet stink. Why? I've heard people criticize denominations that have people come up and say the things that, that they've done wrong in their life, that they want forgiveness for, that they want forgiveness from the members of their church for. But isn't that what Jesus is telling us can heal us? Isn't what Jesus is telling us can help us all be healed? Is if we're honest with each other about the hurts that we've caused and the hate that we harbor in ourselves. Is he not telling us that sharing that is the hurdle we have to get over? That we need to be able to look at each other and say, sometimes I don't like you. But I want to love you. And so Jesus says, bring the whole church to them. Why? Because that person has become separated from the church. They've become alone. They're sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. And we don't want them to stay alone, do we, church? In my first appointment, I was sent to the house of a man who had died. I had never heard of him. Why had I never heard of him? Because he got offended when someone told him he couldn't run his propane fish cooker in the fellowship hall. <laughs> Just in case y'all are wondering, I'm going to tell you the same thing. But he got so angry that he left the church and never came again. But I'm supposed to come up there to his funeral and act like he's some faithful saint of God. But he refused to engage another person who had offended him. He refused to offer forgiveness to that person. He refused to offer forgiveness to the community who dared to say, don't burn our building down. He refused to obey the commands of the Lord. But yet he's a saint. Y'all hear what I'm saying to you? The saint, that can't be true. If you have been affected by the salvation that Jesus has offered you, how dare you to refuse to offer anyone forgiveness, much less ask for forgiveness. If you are too proud to ask for forgiveness, how in the world are you asking God to forgive you of your sin and your prayers? Do you hear what Jesus is saying to us, church? Lay your pride down here at the rail. I created you to be a community where grace rules the day, where love rules the day, where you know you owe no one anything but love. Did you hear what Paul said? Owe no one anything but love. Do nothing for the harm of another. Including harbor your precious little grudge and go home. I heard somebody say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. That's not true. The road to hell is paved with grudges, with hate, and with vengeance. And if you're desiring after any of those, you're far from the peaceful shore and sinking deep in sin. And what Jesus wants is for your church to come get you. I don't know about you. 
But I want to be part of that community where people are convinced that the only thing they can do when someone hurts them is go to that person and say, you hurt me. And be restored to that person. No matter what the cost. Whether it's pride, money, or whatever. This is who Jesus has called us to be. And it's not optional. It's not something we get to do if we agree with Him. This is what we do if we serve Him. This is what we do if He is our Lord. This is what we do if we love Him for what He has done for us. This is what we do if we have been transformed through the renewing of our minds, as Paul told us last week. This, dear ones, is a picture of the church. And when Jesus says, if two or more are gathered in my name, He's speaking about this purpose of restoring one another in love. He doesn't mean if there's a couple of y'all down at Hardy's y'all have in church. He means that when the church goes to a person who has isolated themselves because they've hurt one, two, three persons or the whole congregation and they feel like they can't step back in here because of their shame, that we ought to go get them. And here's what's really cool. He says this just after he taught the parable of the lost sheep. Do you see the connection? The sheep has wandered off because it wasn't paying attention to the shepherd. But he says, he goes to get the sheep. Here Jesus is showing us what that parable means. That the people who are his flock Go get that sheep that has separated itself through sin. Not to judge that person. Not so that we can be right. But so that we can get our brother and sister back. And carry them home on my shoulders. I was thinking this week as I read this about this weird little drawing that was in Addie McClintock's Sunday school class when I was a kid. If I haven't mentioned her 50 times in the two and a half years I've been here, just hold your horses. If I'm here eight, you'll hear it 50 times. She was a saint of God. In her classroom was a drawing of Jesus holding a sheep over his shoulders like this. Y'all remember those drawings? You remember those? That's who we follow. We don't follow a shepherd who tells us it's okay to kick the sheep out and leave him out. I know he said if they don't listen to you, treat them like a Gentile and a tax collector. But don't you remember not long ago, we heard about Jesus sitting at the table of tax collectors eating with them. Remember that? Do you remember with an ethnos, a Gentile? A Gentile centurion, a Roman centurion, a person of the nationality who would one day drive nails in his hands, came to him and said, Teacher, come to my house, my servant is ill. And Jesus said, Your servant is healed. How did Jesus treat that Gentile? Did he leave him in his sin and unbelief? No. How did Jesus treat those tax collectors that His culture and His church said were okay to leave at home because they're horrible people anyway? He went to their house and had dinner with them. One of them, you sing His name in songs. His name was Zacchaeus. Remember that? A horrible man. Y'all sing it like it's a wonderful little nursery rhyme. A horrible man who Jesus went to His home and had dinner with Him because we are not to leave people alone and seeking deep in sin. We're called to do something about it. To go 
to them and be in fellowship with them and love them so that they can see the love of Christ through us. So in the end, when we get to the end of it, and he says, hey, if they won't listen to the whole church, let them be as Gentiles and tax collectors. We said, that's right, Jesus. We ain't talking to them no more. And then in Matthew 28, Jesus says, go to all the ethnos. Those are Gentiles. Baptize them and teach them to obey all I've commanded. There is no way to wiggle off this hook, dear ones. This is who we are called to be. A community that loves one another enough not to let one another be lost. I pray these words will sink in for you. That you will remember that you were once sinking deep in sin. If there was a time when you had separated yourself from other people through doing things to them and harming them, and that your presence here today means that at the very least, at the very least, the Holy Spirit came looking for you. But I'm willing to bet that the Holy Spirit sent other people to find you in the midst of your sin and call you to Christ. Did God not do that for you? This is who we are called to be, dear ones. another member of the church sins. Go point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained your brother. You have regained your sister. May the Lord make it so. Amen.